Mark chapter 1. The book of Mark chapter 1. And I'll be with you there in just a moment. But we are hitting pause on our John series for two weeks. And this is the second week of a vision series. Pastor Dave, of course, taught last weekend. And this weekend, we're going to be talking about a very, very key essential element to our church moving forward. But before we get to Mark, before we get to the key essential element for our church moving forward, I want to draw your attention to this tree that is on stage. This is an avocado tree. And it doesn't look like much right now, but one day, if it's lucky, and I'm not going to be responsible for growing it, but someone will, and uh, they will make sure that this tree grows up and flourishes and becomes a tree that produces avocados. But I want to imagine, take a moment and imagine that, that this was my tree, and I came to you, and I said, I really love this tree a lot. And in fact, I care so deeply about this tree that, that I am very invested in it flourishing. But I'm going away for a couple of years, and I need you to take care of it. And so let's say that I told you this, and I said, here's what I'm going to do for you. If you can take care of this tree, if you can make sure it grows, make sure it flourishes, when I return, I'm going to give you $1 billion. Yeah, I know we will have some volunteers for that. And, I, and let's say I pulled out my phone and I showed you my bank account and I was like, here's the money right here. By the way, the money's not there, just so you know. But, but I showed you and I was like, man, here's the money. You take care of this tree. If it's alive, when I return, $1 million. What would change in your life? Answer, pretty much everything. You, you would dedicate and devote your being to this tree. You would be very invested in this tree flourishing and growing and succeeding. You would cancel plans if you had to. You, you would shirk work responsibilities. Sorry, boss, can't come in on the Saturday. I got to take care of some things. You would rearrange everything in your life. You'd tear out a wall in your house if you had to, to make sure that, that this tree flourished because the value of this tree is, is unimaginable. And I want to highlight this because if I gave this invitation to you, it would be a really incredible invitation. But what's amazing is that God actually gives each one of us an invitation that is actually even more valuable than that, as hard as that is to believe. And it's the invitation that's found in Mark chapter 1. So I hope you're there, Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, and it says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Now stop right there. In, in our church, we're in the book of John, and we've been studying the entirety of Jesus' life. And so in our study of the book of John, we're at the very end of Jesus' life. In fact, his last hours before the crucifixion. This that we're reading right now in Mark are the first moments of Jesus' ministry. Jesus ministered for three years on this earth, and this is really the beginning. And so imagine with me, Jesus has not done any miracles yet. He's not done any teachings yet. This is one of the first acts that he does as he um, begins his, uh, his, his ministry. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said. Everybody say, follow me. follow me. Follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So here we see the greatest invitation in all the world. And it's the invitation to discipleship. The invitation to walk with Jesus. And just like Jesus invited these four men beside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus gives each one of us the same invitation. And it's the invitation that you and I get a chance to walk with Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this story with me for a minute. When you and I think about Jesus, oftentimes we think about the fact that he is God, that he is Savior, that he is Lord, that he's a miracle worker. And the disciples, they knew him him as those things. But, But this was one of the first times they had ever met him. And so at that time, they didn't know him as God. They didn't know him as Lord. They didn't know him as Savior. They knew him as a rabbi. Now, in in first century Jewish world, there were a lot of rabbis traveling around. And the rabbis, they were teachers. They traveled from town to town, and they taught about the word of God. And each rabbi had disciples that traveled and spent time with their rabbi. And the goal of the disciple was that the disciple would spend time with their rabbi, would learn from their rabbi, would become like their rabbi, and would eventually become a rabbi themselves. And so when Jesus comes up to his disciples and he says, come, follow me, he, the, the disciples knew he wasn't saying like, hey, let's go out to Chili's and have some burgers. They, they, Jesus, the disciples understood that, that what Jesus is saying is, I want you to be my disciple. I'm your rabbi, be my disciple. John Mark Comer, who is a pastor and a teacher, he says that a disciple is much like what we would think today of an apprentice. And so I have a friend who wanted to become an electrician. And so he began to apprentice under an electrician. His goal was that he studied under this electrician. And his goal was that eventually he would become an electrician. And in the same way, when Jesus extends this invitation to us, hey, be my disciple, that's what he's saying. Learn from me, grow under me, and become the person that I want you to become. And so today, we're going to talk about discipleship. And I have an outline for you. I want to share three things with you today. This is the plan. Number one, I want us to see that it has always been God's plan to dwell with his people. And we're going to talk about that. Number two, we're going to define discipleship. What is discipleship? And then number three, we're going to look at how we follow Jesus. What are the practical ways that we can follow Jesus? So that's the plan. That's the outline. Quickly, I just want to pray over our time this morning, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. And I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit as I speak. Fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit as we listen and receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing we're going to talk about is this, that it has always been God's plan to dwell with his people. Now, I want you to realize something, that we're talking about this subject of discipleship, not because 
we needed a break from John. It wasn't like, you know, we're kind of bored going through John. Let's mix it up a little bit. What about discipleship? We could talk about that. No, that's not why. This is a core value of our church. This is what we truly believe is essential for our church's vision moving forward. And we truly believe that it is essential for your life as a follower of Jesus moving forward. And so this is so, so important. And listen, I don't know what you think about when you think about the word discipleship. For for some of you, maybe you think about memorizing Bible verses, or maybe you think about a class that you've been to. Maybe for some of you, you're new to church, you're new to the faith, and you're like, I don't really know what discipleship is. You keep using this word, I don't know what it means. And so maybe you're just like, I'm interested in learning what discipleship is. But but here's a baseline, a foundation for us that I want you to think about when we think about discipleship. And you can write this down, that God has always wanted to dwell with his people. From the beginning of scripture, all the way to the end of it, God's plan, God's heart has been to dwell with his people. See, God always makes the first move toward you. God always initiates with us. And so if you're here today, it's because God loves you and God is seeking after you and God wants to draw near. God loves us. And God has always wanted to dwell with his people. And what we're going to do for just a moment is we're going to do something kind of audacious, okay? We're going to look and go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I'm going to do it in one slide, I promise. And in Genesis all the way to Revelation, we are going to see that it has always been God's plan to dwell with his people. Are you ready? You're going to study the entire Bible today. No big deal. Okay, so let's look. It has always been God's plan to dwell with his people in Genesis 1 through 2. What we see is that God dwelled with Adam and Eve in the garden. You see, God created a perfect world. You guys can take that one away really quick. See, God created a perfect world. And that perfect world, he places Adam and Eve in the garden. And and the garden is perfect. It's beautiful. There's no pain. There's no suffering. But, But the culmination of that perfection, the crown jewel of that perfection, is that Adam and Eve, they actually got to walk with God. Now, when we say he has a good walk with God, what we're talking about is they have a good relationship with God. Maybe when we think about someone who's holy, they're like, wow, they really walk with God. But but what I want you to know is that Adam and Eve actually took walks with God. Like you and I would go take a walk on the causeway. Adam and Eve took walks with God every evening. They saw God face to face. God dwelled with Adam and Eve. The problem is Adam and Eve rebelled and their sin separated them from God. And they were banished from the garden, banished from God's presence. But God loves us. God always wants to dwell with his people. So he begins this process of salvation. And he begins to save and rescue his people. And so for the entire Old Testament, Genesis all the way to Malachi, God dwelled with his people in a specific way. And we'll see this next on the screen. That in Exodus through Malachi, God dwelled with his people through the tabernacle and through the temple. Now, there's a lot else that we aren't going to cover in Exodus through Malachi. A lot happens. It's like two-thirds of the Bible. But during this time, there's a tabernacle, and then after that, there's a temple. And so during the time of the tabernacle, the people would look at the center of the camp, and they would say, that is the place where God is living. 
God is dwelling with his people and he's staying with us. During the time of the temple, the people would travel to Jerusalem and at the height of Jerusalem, they would see the temple and they would say, that is God's house. That is where God's presence is. And they know God wants to dwell with us. Now, if you know the scripture, what you know is that throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, the people rebelled against God. The people walked away from God. And so God knew that we needed a savior. And so he sent Jesus to us. And we see the next step that in Matthew through John, that Jesus actually comes to earth. It says in John 1:14, the word became flesh and dwelled among us, tabernacled among us. And so Jesus dwelled with us, God with us, God in human form. And Jesus, when he died on that cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. Remember, sin always separates us from God. And when Jesus paid the penalty for that sin, the veil was torn. God could dwell with man. And what we learned a couple weeks ago is now, because Jesus died on the cross for our sin, we get to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we studied a couple weeks ago in the book of Acts, that in the book of Acts, Jesus spent the, sent the Holy Spirit to live with us. And so now God doesn't dwell in a building of the temple. God, through the Holy Spirit, dwells in us. It has always been God's plan to dwell with his people. Now, by the way, this is where we are at in uh, the current age that we live in. That we live in an age where we are the church, the Holy Spirit is, uh, dwells in us because we are the temple of God. But we look forward one day to Revelation. And in Revelation, Jesus is going to come back. He is going to make all things new. And, and one of the beautiful things that we see when Jesus makes all things new is in heaven, we are with God. We see him face to face again. Now, I know that was a lot. We literally covered the whole Bible in one slide. I promised you we did it, and we did it. But what I want us to see is this, that yes, sin does separate us from God, but God's heart is to dwell with his people. And so throughout the Bible, that has been God's plan to walk with us. And it's the greatest invitation in all the world. So, so we've covered the first topic that God has always wanted to dwell with his people. Let's look at the second topic. And that is the question, what is discipleship? What is discipleship? Now, if you ask 25 different Christian leaders, what is discipleship? You're probably going to get like 25 different answers. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of things that people think about when they think about discipleship. But, but I think it's really helpful for us if we think back to the first thing that we studied. Remember that we studied that Jesus walked up to these four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and he invited them to walk with him. He said, I want you to follow me. I want you to learn from me. I want you to become like me. And so this is a definition of discipleship. I want you to write it down. The definition for discipleship is this. A disciple is someone who is dedicated to following Jesus together with other disciples. It's someone who's dedicated to following Jesus together with other disciples. Just like Peter, James, John, Andrew, you and I were disciples. That what our goal is, is we want to follow Jesus. And we want to do it alongside others who are disciples. Now, now think about this for a minute. Something really interesting happened when Jesus called these four men to follow him. 
What we read is they left their nets, they left their families, they left their jobs, and they walked after him. This would be equivalent to if you work at Harris. It's 2.37 p.m. on a Tuesday. And Jesus walks into your cubicle. You're designing on your CAD design program. And Jesus says, follow me. And you leave it open and you just walk out of the building to follow Jesus. This would be like, where, where did Jill go? She was on the Zoom call just like five minutes ago. Oh, like someone walked in and said, follow me. And she just left her Zoom open and she just walked away. Student, if you're at Eastern Florida State, you're sitting in class and Jesus walks in and he's like, hey, come with me. And you're like, all right, I guess I'm done with school today. I'm following him. If you're working as a barista at Starbucks, you just have the shot pulled and you're, you press the little button and then you're like, I got to leave. And you jump over the bar and just walk out. That's what happens when Jesus says, follow me. Now, let's, let's understand this. I'm not advocating that anyone quit their jobs. I mean, if if God calls you to, I guess. But what I am saying is that that we need to think about following Jesus as a mindset change. It's a mentality that needs to, to change for us. Because oftentimes when we think about the word follow, we think about following someone on social media. Now, I have social media and I follow a lot of people on social media. I like some of the people I follow. I get quite annoyed at some of the people I follow. Anyone else? Anyone just follow people they don't like? Like, I don't like anyone I follow. And, and I follow a lot of different people. I follow people who like sports. I follow people who are into politics. I follow people who are into fitness and nutrition. Like, there's a lot of interests that, that I follow. And probably the same for you. And so when we think about follow, a lot of times what we think about it is I'm casually considering someone's opinion among other opinions. I follow this guy who likes, is interested in fitness. Okay, I'll think about what he says. May apply it, may not. I'll follow this person who has some political opinions. Sort of interesting, I'll consider it, and then I'll move on with my life. When we follow someone on social media, a lot of times what we're doing is we're saying, hmm, interesting, I'm going to move on. And can I tell you, oftentimes that's what we do with Jesus. Jesus, very interesting point that I learned in church today. I'm going to move on with my life. It's already awesome. Jesus, like you have some good stuff to say, but this other person has some good stuff to say. And my friend has some good stuff to say. And so we're good. We're, I'm following you, but I'm following a lot of other people as well. Here's what Jesus says in Mark 8 about following him. He says in Mark chapter 8, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. Jesus is going to define what it means to follow him. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So Jesus is saying, here is the qualifications for discipleship. Not that you just casually consider my opinion, but that you actually say, I am devoted to you and what you say above everything else. Every mindset that I have that's not of you, I'm changing it. Every desire that's not of you, I'm changing it. Every action I take that's not of you, I'm doing something different. 
because you are the king of my life. And we need to understand this. This is a hard truth. But Jesus, he doesn't view that there are Christians who can kind of do whatever they want to do and just get into heaven. And then there's also this special elite group of Christians called disciples. Jesus says, everyone's a disciple if you want to follow me. And to follow me, you need to deny yourself. You need to say, Jesus, you are king. You are Lord of my life. It's a heavy thing, discipleship. It's a, it's a beautiful invitation, the greatest invitation in all the world. But Jesus is telling us that, that, that it's not just casually considering what he says. That this is how I like to think about it. I'm not a very musical person. Um, I, I wish I was better at music. I wish I was better at singing. I don't play any musical instruments. In fact, one day uh, I was in worship here and I was so encouraged by the worship. And so I pull out my phone and I just go to like kind of record uh, just everyone worshiping and the band. And it was so awesome. And I went back later to listen to it. And all I could hear was my singing on my phone. And it was so bad that I immediately deleted it. I was like humiliated. I was like, this cannot get out. I'll be ruined. And so like, I'm not musical. But if I wanted to learn a musical instrument, I could follow some people on my phone, I could watch some YouTube videos, and I would probably gain some form of information from that. But, but to actually become a musician, I need to pick up a guitar. I need to learn where to place my fingers and how to strum. And if I really wanted to learn, I need someone to teach me. I would need to talk to someone like Shane. He's our worship leader. He's an amazing guitar player. And say, Shane, I want you to disciple me. I want you I want you to be my rabbi. I want me to be your apprentice. And I want you to teach me how to be a guitar player. And Shane, if he taught me, and if I dedicated myself to actually doing what he taught me, then, then one day, if I, if I work very hard, I could grow in my ability to the point where I could be an excellent guitar player in the same way that he is. And that's what Jesus is saying about discipleship that I want you to apply yourself to being with me and becoming like me and learning what I do. Now, there's one more element of discipleship that I need us to know. I want us to look on the screen at Matthew chapter 28. Now, the context for this is, this is Jesus after three years of working with his disciples. So in Mark 1, we learned the very first thing that Jesus did with his disciples. He invited them to walk with him. Now, after three years, Jesus has taught them, he's equipped them, he's died for them, he's saved them, and this is what he says, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus says to his 12 disciples, I've taught you. I've trained you. I've equipped you. I'm leaving now. It's your job to go and make disciples of your own. But you're not just making disciples of you. You're actually making disciples of me. Teach them to obey all I have commanded you. And so the illustration would go like this. 
That if, if Shane, if he taught me and equipped me and trained me to be a guitar player and one day I became as great of a guitar player as he is, then he said, hey, I want you to take what you learned and go teach someone else guitar. Now you take what I've taught you and you train someone else. And so you can write this down. That every follower of Jesus is called to be a disciple and an equipper. In other words, they're called not only to, to, to be a disciple, but to make disciples, helping others follow Jesus. So Christian, you're called to be a disciple, to follow Jesus. But as you grow, as you mature, you're also called to look around and say, now I want to help others walk with Jesus. See, discipleship, it's the greatest invitation in all the world because God has always wanted to dwell with us. What is discipleship? It's someone who's dedicated to following Jesus together with other disciples. We're called to be a disciple. We're called to be an equipper. Now we move to the third and final thing that we're going to talk about today. And that is the question, how do we follow Jesus? Because see, in some ways, for those first disciples, it was very easy. When Jesus said, we're walking from Galilee to Jerusalem, they just walked with him. When Jesus said, have everybody sit down and pass out this food to him, they just did it. We don't have Jesus with us in the flesh today, and so it can be a little more confusing. So how do we, as Christians, follow Jesus? Well, first off, we need to understand this, that it doesn't happen because of our power. It happens because of God's power. Can we get an amen for that? It doesn't happen because of our power. It happens because of God's power. Amen. Amen. Got four amens. Thank you. See, Jesus, he died for us. He rose again. He saved us. He rescued us. And the gospel says that it's not about our works. It's not about our effort. It's not about how great we are. The gospel says it is about how great Jesus is. That that we are saved by grace through faith. And so discipleship is not about man. I am going to do a lot of stuff and impress God. Discipleship is Jesus has already paid it all for me. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to equip us, to walk with us. And so I want you to realize that God always does the heavy lifting. But I also want you to realize that you and I, we have a part to play. And for thousands of years, Christians have called what we do to follow Jesus spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines. Now, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, some people, they're excited. They're like, I can't wait. Spiritual disciplines. This is awesome. Some people, they're like, I don't really know what that is. I've never heard of that before. And some people get a little worried because they think, okay, spiritual discipline, are we getting legalistic here? Are we about to, you know, do some things and and make it about our works instead of God's works? No, it's not about our works. But there's a couple of quotes that I want to give you that that are helpful to me when I think about spiritual disciplines. The first is from Dallas Willard. And it says this, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And so in other words, you and I, we cannot earn our salvation. We can't do enough good stuff to where we make it to heaven. Because Jesus has saved us. Jesus has rescued us. But because God has given us grace, 
because he's given us kindness and mercy, we do put forth effort to follow Jesus. And that effort is empowered by grace. The second quote, it's from John Ortberg, and it says this, spiritual transformation is not a matter of trying harder, but of training wisely. Now, when I think about trying harder, I think about if if I just do enough stuff, God's finally going to love me. Listen, God loves you already. God's not going to love you anymore. If you came in here today and you read your Bible uh, every single day this week, God loves you. If you came in here and you're like, I haven't opened my Bible, it is gathering dust on my shelf. God loves you. God has an incredible, passionate love for every single person here. So it's not a matter of trying harder. Oh my gosh, if I just do enough good stuff, God's going to love me. No, it's a matter of training wisely, of saying, I want to do things that help me in my relationship with Jesus. I like to think about it like this. You guys know that I really love coffee. And so I have some coffee here. And this is some coffee that our cafe made. And you guys know that every single weekend, we offer free coffee to you. It's available in the cafe. You can go and get it. And so this is coffee. uh, and, And one of our team was kind enough to fill this up for me this morning. And this coffee came from our cafe. And so imagine that this coffee is the gift of God, the presence of God in your life. You and I, we didn't pay for this coffee. You and I did not make this coffee. It is a free gift to us. But we still have to do something to open our lives to this coffee. I'm not going to come around and and pour it in everyone's mouth. That would be kind of weird. It's not how it works. And so in order for us to receive the coffee, we are going to need a coffee mug. And this coffee mug is spiritual disciplines. See, you would never walk around and act high and mighty and awesome because you have a coffee mug. Sometimes we do that with spiritual disciplines, though. Prayed for eight minutes today. Don't mean to brag about myself. No big deal. Yeah, I've read the Bible one time in my life. No big deal. I've read the whole thing. See, the coffee mug is not the goal. The goal is not to celebrate having an awesome coffee mug. The goal is for the coffee mug to hold the goodness inside, which is the coffee. And so the coffee is the gift of God, the presence of God, the love of God. And so the spiritual discipline, all it is, is just a container for God's love. Why do I read my Bible? Because I want to encounter Jesus. Why do I pray? Because I want to walk with Jesus. Why do I serve? See, serving is just a coffee mug. I serve because my food is to do the will of my Father. The goal is not to act how awesome we are with coffee mugs. The goal is to drink the coffee inside. And in the same way, spiritual disciplines, they are the way that you and I connect with Jesus. And we see this in the book of Acts. Look with me, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And it says this, they devoted themselves. Now, by the way, this is as soon as the church was born. The Holy Spirit fills Peter. Peter preaches to the crowd. 3,000 people are saved. And at that moment, this is what happens. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, I want you to notice something. That the Holy Spirit saves people brings people into the Christian family. And the first thing that happens is they begin to practice spiritual disciplines. They begin to devote themselves to prayer. They begin to devote themselves to gathering together in community. They begin to devote themselves to listening to teaching and applying it to their lives. They begin to change the way they think about money and generosity. They begin to practice spiritual disciplines as a result of being filled with the Spirit. And so right now, what I want to do is I want to introduce something to you that is new and that is old. It's old because Calvary Chapel Melbourne did not come up with this. Christians have been practicing these things for thousands of years. It's new because we've never phrased it like this before in our church. I want to talk to you about the seven disciplines. Everybody say the seven disciplines. And we're going to put up on a slide seven disciplines. These are spiritual disciplines that we as a church are going to commit ourselves to do as we follow Jesus. The first one is this, gathering to worship. And like I said, none of these are going to be mind-blowing to you. You're not going to be like, wow, I can't believe they came up with that one. These are things that Christians have been doing for thousands of years. But the first is gathering to worship. Right now, you're practicing a spiritual discipline. You're gathered together to worship and to connect with God. The second is spending time with Jesus. You having a personal time each day where you read the Bible and where you pray. The third is connecting with community. We talk about this often, being part of a group, spending time together, growing in your faith. The fourth is fighting for freedom. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about the fact that each of us have hurts or habits or hangups or things that hold us back. We want you to be free from those things so that you can move forward in your relationship with God. The fifth is join a serve team, using your gifts to serve the body of Christ. The sixth is live on mission, going out and practicing, sharing your faith, practicing, showing God's love uh, in tangible ways as well as with our words. And then last, the seventh is investing your resources, investing your time, investing your money, to expand and to grow God's kingdom. Now, I want to ask the team to leave this up here for a moment. And, and, and I want to just share a couple things about these seven disciplines. The, these are things that we're going to talk about quite a bit moving forward. Because we really believe that we want to follow Jesus together as a church and we want to give you practical ways to do this. But here, here's a couple things that I want to say. The goal of these is not for you to think, I'm going to try to collect all seven of them. Sometimes, maybe some of you who have been following Jesus for a long time, you would look and you would say, okay, like I'm practicing quite a few of these right now. The goal is not for us to get prideful about them. That would be like you carrying seven mugs around the commons being like, look at my awesome mugs. Not a big deal. It's not what we want. Our goal is each one of these things are ways that we connect with Jesus. 
Now, I also want you to say, if you're starting off and you're trying to learn how to take your steps in your relationship with God, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed and be like, I got to do all seven. No, each time that Jesus calls us, he just calls us to take our next step. And so for some of you, you may say, I really believe that my next step is joining a serve team. I want to serve and I want to give back and I want to encounter Jesus through that. Well, then take your next step. Join a serve team. For some of you, maybe you think, I don't really know how to have a personal quiet time, how to read scripture and how to pray. Well, we want to help you with that. Let us know. We'd love to help you. We'd love to teach you how to spend time with Jesus. And so the goal is not for us to to go out and try to fill our lives and get so overwhelmed and try to do everything in one week. We're going to burn out if we do that. Just take your next step in following Jesus. You're hopefully going to be following Jesus if he doesn't come back for your entire life. So you've got a lot of years ahead of you. Just take your next step. Keep on moving forward. Now, as as we move forward in the beginning of next year, uh, we're going to be sharing a tool with you. It's going to be called a personal reflection tool. And it's a way for you to be able to kind of evaluate where you're at and evaluate where is my next step. But we're not really ready to roll that out yet. And so I just want to leave you with a couple of questions to reflect on as we end our time together. I didn't want to give you all this and say, all right, now in the beginning of 2023, we'll really start to take our discipleship seriously. And so here's just a couple of questions, a couple of moments for you to take a time to reflect as we end our time today. And they're up on the screen. Number one, am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I dedicated to following Jesus together with other disciples? Or maybe today you've realized, you know, I'm more in the category of I'm just kind of casually considering what Jesus says. I'm kind of sprinkling him in where it's convenient in my already awesome life. Am I a disciple of Jesus? And then number two, am I an equipper? If you've been following Jesus for a while, are there people in your life that you're helping to move forward, that you're helping to walk with Jesus? Now, if you're looking to take a step forward in being a disciple, I'm just going to give you two quick steps. You don't have to do both of these, but these are just two ways that you can really move forward. So two steps toward being a disciple. Number one, spend 15 more minutes every morning with Jesus. If 15 is too much, do 10. If 10 is too much, do five. But take some time during the day to pray and to open up your Bible, to read a psalm, to read a proverb, to read one chapter from one of the gospels and spend time with Jesus. You can't be a disciple of Jesus if you don't spend time with Jesus. Number two is join a group. We talk about this a lot, but it's so important for us to spend time together in community talking about our relationship with God. And by the way, I know so many of you guys are joining groups. So many of you have told us, this is my first time I've I've joined a group. And so that's so awesome. Keep going, keep being involved to continue to move forward. Now, two steps toward being an equipper. And maybe... You are just getting started. And so if you're just getting started, focus on being a disciple. Focus on spending that time with Jesus. Focus on growing in your walk. But maybe you've been around for a while. And you've been convicted that I've been a Christian for a long time. But I'm not really surrounded by anyone that I'm helping grow. And so if that's you, 
One really simple way to do that is invite someone on the journey with you. And and so what, what, what this means is you don't have to do something formal. You don't have to to write a Bible study or, or to sit down and open up God's word together. That's a great way to do it. But just invite somebody with you. If you're going to women's conference, invite someone to women's conference. If you're going to men's R&R, invite someone to men's R&R. If you're going to church, invite somebody to church. If you're going out to lunch after church, invite somebody with you. Help them go on the journey. Uh, a couple, uh, just this week, actually, um, as, as we were kind of all as a community preparing for the hurricane, had a couple of uh, folks from the harbor reach out to me, and they're actually here in the service today, and they were like, hey, is there a way that, that I can help someone put up shutters? And, and so I was like, hey, come with me. And, and while we were putting up shutters at someone's house, we were talking about God. We were talking about our faith, and I was growing in my faith. Hopefully, they were growing in their faith. That's what discipleship is. It's spending time together, doing life, and talking about our relationship with God. And in the same way, you can do that as well. Invite somebody on the journey with you. And then the second thing is this, become a group leader. We we talked about this during our church family vision meeting. I shared with you the need that we have for more group leaders. And if you feel like that you desire to do that, over the next couple weeks, we're going to be announcing a group leader training where you can get involved in actually becoming a group leader. But to recap, we've been given the greatest invitation in all the world. It's an invitation to walk with Jesus. And we do that because as we dedicate ourselves to following Jesus with other people, and we're called to be a disciple, and we are called to be an equipper, helping others in their relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this reminder of something that is so essential. Walking with you, helping others walk with you. And when we boil it down, that really is what it is. And so God, I pray that each one of us today would be renewed in our dedication towards pursuing you. And God, I ask if there are people here that that are not followers of Jesus, that today would be the day when they would say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to pursue him. God, we thank you for this opportunity in this moment. We thank you for your love for us. And now in this moment, I just want to just extend an invitation to you. If you're not a Christian, that you want to, be- and you want to become a Christian. If, if today is the day when Jesus walked up to you and said, follow me, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And all you have to do is just pray a simple prayer in your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for rising again to give me new life. Help me to be a disciple. Use my life to help other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.